Lights, camera, action. Welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitball and Cod uh, Pod. For this evening, I am your host, Keenan Bonner, and I am joined, as always, by Luke Byron. The reason for the change this evening has a lot to do with one of the films that we will be reviewing. Uh, it is 1995's Heat, which finds itself in a matchup against 2017's Baby Driver. Luke, we'll, we'll, we will revert back to you. Um, <laughs> if you want to start with Heat, because I'll let you do the the critics reviews and the trivia. He wasn't willing to give me full control, ladies and gentlemen. Um, oh, probably no, wise. I said if you want to do the prep, go right ahead. No, probably probably wise. You would end up with the ramblings, or even more of the ramblings of a madman. Um, if I was allowed to go gung ho. You're rustling already. I can tell you're getting comfortable. I am getting comfortable. We're in. We're in to talk about heat. Yeah, I am. You're in Russell City. I don't want you to tarnish in your episode. You know, that's the first other person to intro an episode in probably over 300 episodes on the channel. Oh, well, great definitely guy, over 300 episodes on the channel. In fact, um, one of our original members actually left on that principle. Well, that you wouldn't let him intro the pod? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I've mellowed you, though. A number of other things. Um, he actually wanted, like, I would ask every week, Come on, everyone pile in with your topics and things like that. Mm. And he's quite protective over this one question. And he was like, I need to ask this question because I thought of it. That doesn't really work. We're doing the whole thing. I asked the questions. And then it was downhill from there, but blossomed into a beautiful thing. So uh, there we go. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was nice that you let me, but if you would have said, do you want me just to do it? I'd be like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. No, 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 no. Um, um, Starting my heat then, yeah? Yes, please. So, a group of high-end professional thieves start to feel the heat from the LAPD when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist. Um, critics' reviews we do have here, if we get you to kind of explain your feeling towards the film. So I'd seen this once before. I think it was during... You may know, actually, because I was texting you while I was watching it. I'm pretty sure... It was when all the sport was cancelled. It was. And so essentially on Saturdays, well, I was rinsing through the WWE Network like no man's business because I was trying to pretend it was live and give myself some kind of live sport experience. I said before, you do kind of need to gear up for what's essentially a three-hour film. And I think I'll probably put it on at like 2am on a Saturday night because I'm, I'm always going to be up until about five on a Saturday anyway, so... It felt about right. Banged it on and uh, there we go. But I imagine you've seen it probably 50 times that. No, I, I reckon I've seen this probably that's like 10 plus. But I've, I have seen this a lot. I, I have conceivably spent close to two out two days of my life watching this film. Yeah. Do you know what surprised me a bit this week is um, the amount of people that have seen it because a film like this of, of, of that length unless it's a real 
a real classic, and I don't know if you're offended by me saying that, but a film where people kind of feel like I have to have watched that film. Like there's people that won't watch a mob film in their lives, but they'll watch The Godfather because it feels like a box that needs to be ticked. I didn't think he fell into this belongs. This belongs on that list. But do you think it is on that list for a lot of people? A lot of people make do stupid things. No, exactly. But well, I mean, I was a bit shocked when I so I mentioned it to someone today. This guy comes to my office. He likes to talk about films. Mm. Said, "What are you doing tonight?" And I said, "Heat." And there's a special reaction for people that have seen Heat, mm-hmm. where it's like you've itched a part of their back that hasn't been scratched in years. And they're like, "Oh, Heat." Yeah. It's great a sensational. It, great, it's a sensational great. film. It is in my three favourite films of all time. I thought it was tied first with Goodfellas. It's not tied first. No, no. It, that is number it, two. Oh, I thought it was number one. Um, no, no. I've never told you. It's Goodfellas one. So um, what's joint? What's joint second slash third? Uh, it's this and Reservoir Dogs. Okay. I fucking lo- I love Reservoir Dogs so much. That's a bit further down the line. You know, today I was looking at some of the films that we've got to wait for, and I was like, could we just bring that forward? I think it would defeat the point when we get to the end, and it's like, I'm not sure about I think this so. film. I think so. Critics reviews, dare I ask what you think the critics are going to say about this? They are, they should love it. Didn't receive much love for the uh, awards, did it? Well, it, was it, it was, it's not that type of film, was it? This ain't an Oscars film. I'm not sure I suppose we'll get into that. The critics reviews then. So, Heat gives us one of crime cinema's great cat and mouse chases and brilliantly pairs it with the little everyday dramas of family, romance, parenting and work-life balance in the life and death professions of both cops and robbers. This one looks like a mouthfully. <laughs> Ominous, operatic, often emulated but never equaled. This is a go-for-broke, goat-level filmmaking, not only upending expectations, but exceeding them with unanticipated success in its elegant, exciting examination of the, of existential and emotional entropy. Yes. <laughs> that was a mouthful. When Pacino's loud, bruised cop and De Niro's canny crook stare at each other, you can read something spent and weary in their eyes and voices. The heat is hell, so are their jobs, but somebody's got to do them. I mean, you don't have to be a bank robber. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> this is like... do, you, do you know what I mean? I get, I get, the, I get your man's point, but you don't have to rob banks. You know, what, and in fact, when... if people stop committing crime, probably wouldn't need, we wouldn't need a copper. The, those points, and uh, this isn't my take on things before people label me as some kind of thing. But you, you've heard um, people say whether it's in the pub, on the on the street, in the work, or whatever, when they refer to certain jobs, they're like. <laughs> Someone's got to work at McDonald's. Someone's got to clean this. Someone's got to do that. I like the idea of bank robber being put in that mix. Yeah, yeah. Someone's got to come here and do that. It's a tough graft, but someone's got to try and take it down. It definitely is tough graft. Um, Just when it seemed that the only hope for crime movies lay in the postmodernist artifice of films like Pulp Fiction, man reinvents the genre with brooding modernist conviction. This one sticks to your gut. And finally, though punctuated by bursts of virtuoso action, including a running battle in downtown LA that ranks as one of the best action scenes ever filmed, it's the unusual emphasis on character that impresses the most. Mm. 
Liga, largely very positive. So they should be. I was listening back and um, kind of doing some reading for the the hype before this came out. Mm. And essentially when they were doing the marketing, they didn't even need to put any of that bank heist in this that unfolds out into the street. They were basically like Pacino and De Niro face to face. What more do you want here? Slap their hands and <laughs> we've done it. Yeah, and it worked. 1995, probably the, like, two of the best actors easily in the top, t- like male actors, top 10 in like that t- that time. You finally get to see them come together. You know, uh, it, was, it was like genuinely like build like a heavyweight clash. Yeah. Like they've danced around each other for, for years and now we've got them. Because the, the trivia, so it's supposed to be, isn't it, that they technically shared a film in Godfather 2, but this is the first time they share the screen. Right. I thought, I don't know how you've uh, prepped here, same way we do Goodfellas, let's run through the film, leave nothing had, out. See, uh, I, so I was going to refine it a little bit for you. All right, I, I was. mean, if you, if you want to go through I've I've prepped as if, <laughs> as if we're going the whole hog. Um, well, it's your choice. I mean, I have, I've got a lot of scenes down. Let's start. Um, see how we go. Let's... Okay, but I was going to okay. say I know you're know you're keen to to get away for Arsenal. I mean, that's that's two hours away. So, I, I mean, do you think we can't speak? We did we did a three-hour pod for Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But there was more people, like okay. Scarface. I don't think we left anything unturned, and that was about two hours ten. So, okay, that's fine. Like I say, I mean, I can we can sit here till tomorrow morning if you if you wish. Um. I... We'll see, I'm sure we've probably got similar things down. I mean, um, I've just got a bit of trivia basically to back each thing up and uh, some okay. questions. Okay. So, do you want me to take? Do you want me to take? Yeah, yeah. Lead the way. So, I I always forget. I will say I always forget about the first ten minutes of this film. In my head, they don't actually exist until I'm watching it. The opening for me is. I realise you get a little intro. You know, we get Pacino do, doing some bits. Um, do you get in the ambulance? Yeah, you see, I forget that that exists. It's when he, they're in the ambulance, the masks go on, the walkie-talkie comes out. They're on their way to you now. Let's go. Yeah. And then that lorry takes off. And like, I don't know how they did it. Don't know what they did, but it is so fucking loud. I, I do still think there's even some questions in that first ten. First of all, where are Natalie Portman's berets? Where where are they in the house? Because we need to know this. They're bringing it to tears. We can we can talk about Natalie Portman later if you want, but I will say, doesn't need to be in this film. The 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 premise is isn't it that essentially this was supposed to be a TV series? Mm, We tried to make it before, didn't they? Yeah, that you can find actually parts of the pilot episode online. Mm. Um, I think from what you read, the casting was horrible. Um, they didn't have the budget to do like they do in this film with what you get. Yeah. And so Michael Mann wasn't prepared to give up on it. He helps rewrite the script and puts it to the big screen, sends it to De Niro, who's like, yeah, count me in. And then they go from there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so she, a couple of things. Genuinely she doesn't probably, need to be in the film. No, no. Um, second ever acting credit 
that she has after Leon the Professional, which is later in the bracket. Mm. Tough, couple know, of, tough couple of gigs. Yeah, I know um, Diane Venora, who plays uh, Al Pacino's wife in this, says that she can't really believe that uh, she can't really believe that she got the role in this film. She says when you read the screenplay, her character is described as a uh, languorous redhead with thighs for days. So I imagine she's a bit intimidated when you see that on the script and that's what you're auditioning for. Uh, she, I mean, she, she very, she, she's good in this. She's like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? As side characters go in this, she's, she's, she, she's, she is very good. She does, she does crack me up to be fair. But as you say, Pacino puts in that work and then on we go mm, to uh, we go. stealing the bearer bonds. Yeah. Heist begins. Looks great. Take the car out. Like, shouting at the guards. Like, pissing out of all of their ears. Like, the one fella looks absolutely shell-shocked. He's, yeah. he's the one I feel sorry for. Yeah. Wingrove opens it up. Opens the film up nicely. Gets rid of him. Gets rid of the first one. Um, obviously they shoot the second one in self-defence you think if Val Kilmer pulls the trigger on the third guy but only after the little look gives yeah. gives Bobby D a little look and he gives him that nod gone well, Kevin Gage was actually locked up for two years in 2003 right. and he s- says he was universally addressed by both inmates and guards as Wayne Grove, his character mm-hmm. from the film the entire stay yep. and one of the things that's credited a lot in this film is how realistic the um, uh, the scenes are with guns and etc. And they were actually given weapons and tactics trainings by um, Andy McNabb mm, and uh, Mick Gold. And Gold actually has a cameo um, as one of the cops who uh, breaks into uh, the flat. But yeah, they were put through their paces to make sure everything they did here looked realistic. So a little bit, a little bit for you. Um, I thought you might have this written down, so I might be jumping the gun because it's towards the back end of the film. Val Kilmer, uh, when he way he moves the gun in the shootout with the police, yeah. um, has been used as a training video, and he's quite pleased for, about that, isn't he? For the LAPD, yeah, yeah. When um, they actually show this is how you this is how you would handle yeah. a gun in this situation when there's a target to your left, a target to your right. Val Kilmer's coming off Batman Forever for this and um, according to Danny Trejo he says that Val Kilmer told him on the set that he just refused a uh, an offer of 40 million to reprise his Batman role in another film claiming he didn't want to waste his talents where it uh, behind a mask which Trejo found quite amusing because he told him this while they were filming the robbery scene and he's in a mask <laughs> yeah I get it but the, the, the principles halt yeah Spends the, not very long in, in a mask in this film. The uh, TV man who uh, witnesses the uh, armed robbery was an actual homeless guy who lived near the shooting location. Oh. Um, and the shop owners used to leave an extension cord behind the shop so he could plug in his TV set. Um, the producers bumped into him while they were scouting locations for the film and then arranged for him to have a small role. Nice. A cash in the pocket. That whole scene, and we said it before, and with us, is very much um, buckle up. Like four minutes, what you're in for. Four minutes it takes. Like it's filmed second. It's like filmed second for second. They are got in in three dead three dead bodies and out in four minutes. 
Yeah. It's it long, ruthlessly, it? ruthlessly well, the efficient. Guys there, eyes wide, ears yeah. bleeding. You're like, just step back, man. Just step back. You don't need to do this. And he's obviously all over the shop. Yeah, he's shell shocked, doesn't he, from the from from the crash. But four minutes, yes. and they bang, 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 bang. It's supposed to show them as being somewhat human because they don't want to do that unless they have to, which doesn't really no. excuse it. But that's how they're justifying it, and that's what you're supposed to take away from how their characters are. No, exactly. That is, <clears throat> it is true. It is as the last resort, as the as the film plays out, you see their reaction to to what's happened. Um, we then get to skip on a little little bit. We get the intro to to my guy Vincent Hanna. Do you know, double mm-hmm. tapping that last guard feel, feels extreme when you're watching it. No, he's got to go. Well, Wayne Gross, I had to do it, man. I had to do it, man. I, I had to get it on. He was making a move. I had to get it on as a justification for <laughs> shooting someone. Is is decent before, to be fair. Before we even get to Hannah, can we talk about the diner scene? There is that before where they go to clip Wayne Gross first of all. No, it goes intro to Vincent, then it goes to the murder trunk. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's that's the scene I was saying. Sorry, I got my scenes the wrong way around. You confused me, though. We got our that's intro to Vincent. Comes yeah. up. It's looking smooth as silk. Right, walks on the scene. Gives it gives gives the rundown of the crime. He says, uh, are you taking are you taking this one, uh, Lieutenant? And he says, does this look like does it yeah. Does this look like a drunk uh, holding up a liquor store? Robbery and homicide is taking this one. Goes through. I really like the quote, at the drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. Yeah. He as doesn't a, even a... need to say much, does he? He's kind of, for a lot of people, he's just kind of pointing, you go here, you go here, like, yeah. I've done this a million times before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. Once, it becomes, mur- once it becomes a murder, one beef for, for a more. Why yeah, not? Well, that's, Doesn't make that's a difference. Do you know Pacino had a full facelift before filming this? No. Did yeah. not. You obviously wanted to look good compared to uh, De Niro. Little trivia for you. Originally, Hannah was going to be a massive cokehead. I do have that done because you have that. There's a couple of scenes that make so much more sense. If he's just fucking you... wired out of his yeah. nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. The the scene that we are discussing on my list in uh into 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 two scenes time actually it's <laughs> randomly one of, it's one of my favourite in the film and I can't tell you why because not a great deal happens but it is phenomenal. Um, so you go through intro to Vincent, then we get to the diner scene. Wayne Grove gives it the same. Had to get it on. He was making a move, man. Bobby D comes and just wraps that head off the table. <laughs> the customers know how to mind their business. <laughs> uh, the one that Tom looks Sizemore up, Tom just, just shifts the head, shifts his head about three centimetres to the right, and the bloke's straight Nobody head goes straight down. Nobody calls the police. Everyone's no. just like, no one business. says anything. Trail just excusing himself ever so politely and going <laughs> to the job. Obviously, he's putting that lining in the car. Oh. We'll say, sorry, Paul. How does he get? How does he get away here? This he's is my question. Guy. He's a big guy. It's poor planning from De Niro because all you do really is you put foot on his chest so you know he's there. Yeah. Just to be touch touch tight there. If you're playing playing football, touch tight to your man. He goes nowhere, and then you know he's going. 
Oh, well, yeah, this... we'll say can execute a heist for 1.6 million dollars worth of bearer bonds. Can't kid, can't kidnap a bloke who looks like a crackhead. No, this is like um, Undertaker. Lights go off, and suddenly, like he's mm. gone. Yeah, because there's he wouldn't even be able to roll under a car. Like he's too big to do that. Yeah. He's, yeah, I don't, just, I, I don't, I can't. Like he obviously can't get up and sprint because someone you have to see him. Does he crawl away? Yeah. But then when did, where does he cause him to run? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, don't know. There is, a, there's, there's issues with that. His whole but, character is just bizarre. Yeah, it's meant to be. But, yeah, but like, do we need? Does he need to be killing child prostitutes in hotels? Like, does that no. have anything? I mean, he doesn't need to kill the guard. I think basically, <laughs> out of everyone, it's done. It's done so De Niro looks better. Do you think that was a TV thing as well? Like that was going to be a kind of subplot. Maybe, maybe. But it's done to show one of them's got no sort of code. The other's got one. Do you, do you know what I mean? He, he yeah. is. De Niro's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. Whereas Wayne Grove is just supposed to be a dick. Yeah. And in in and amongst all this, you've got um, Hannah returning home after his <laughs> after his long day. Mm. I'm sorry if the goddamn chicken got overcooked. Overcooked. There are three <laughs> dead bodies on Venice Boulevard. <laughs> It's like he forgot his lines at that point. Like, I don't know why you dramatic pauses. Like, Just to say the word chicken. It's um, like he's like, hang on a minute, is that pork? Yeah, I uh, genuinely, I love her so much. I'm sorry, Justine. Pacino is somewhat of a caricature already at this stage, isn't he? It obviously gets so much worse. But what in the film? Yeah, he's, he's taking just, the piss yeah, already. At just this point. like at, at, at this stage of his career, like he's already oh, right, yeah. like he's Pacino more than he's the character in the film. Like Travolta has the same thing. I yeah, think yeah. TK said he's just kind of fortunate that he had uh, like an outlet like Pulp Fiction that was like this is exactly what we what we still want from you. Mm. Like Pacino in this has some like great acting and then just these weird moments that just kind of some crop of it, up some right. of it's very good. But some of it is fucking off the reservation, which is still, by the way, good because some of that is my favourite stuff in the film. The goddamn chicken just made me laugh, made me laugh, and I've I've seen that scene probably three times this week, and each time is just really getting me. There is, and then we go to if if you any if you have anything more on the boy on the boy Vincent Trail, we we need to, we need to have a conversation about Trail. Um, in this film, and we will when we get to it later on. Because yeah. I thought your judgment of him last night was harsh. What did I say? You called him a snake. Oh, you know, didn't you call him a rat? Yeah, well, at, at that point, you're, you're supposed to be thinking got, that's uh, the case, aren't you? We've got. I've got a question for you um, at the end, and I think you don't think. I think you'll think it's a weird question, but I reckon I can justify it. The, the the harshest thing I judge him for is uh, wearing a zip-up hoodie with nothing underneath. Like, the zip on his bare skin just freaks me out. My chest are getting caught in it. <laughs> that's just a weird, like, a, that's just a weird thing to do for me. 
yeah, it's not for me. Um, can, can we do um, Macaulay meeting Edie? Okay, yeah, if you want. Because I've heard of like treating me and keeping keen and being like a mysterious guy, but he hey, charms her here by saying, Lady, why are you so interested in what I read and what I do? Like, that's, yeah. that, that's his line. Like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, just thought you were interested. Then he changes up so fast. So, oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean to be that guy. But even when he's changing up, he's still a weird guy. Like, she's she's given him her, her like, entire family history. I'm from, I'm from the Bay Area. Yeah. And then just kind of lets that hang out there. Well, look, he robs banks for a living. He needs to be, needs to be careful who he trusts. So Amy Brenneman that plays Edie, and there's obviously a lot of questions about her in this film. She says yeah. usually she kind of like really picks apart her characters and kind of like really psychologically dissects them. But she said she kind of just, just had to chuck that to one side for this film because almost nothing she does makes any sense at all. No, she goes from working in a bookshop whilst trying to be an artist to fucking emigrating to New Zealand with a bank robber slash murderer. And like Even in a very <laughs> quick time scale, by the way. Like little things when she comes home and like looks at the TV like, was this you? This massive heist where three people have been killed, and is this you? And at the end when she just pulls over when he's on the way to, uh, she's more than happy to kind of stop when they get to the air, uh, on the way to the airport. Mm. When you know what this guy is like, she's he's dropping out lines like, uh, "I'm alone, I'm not lonely," and she's like, "Oh, this is so mysterious." I do like that though. I do like it, the way he says that. <laughs> Dare I say, if we bring the feature back, that would go very well into uh, lines from the film that also work as a Tinder buyer. Yeah. Because that might give you the uh, the look. That might give as you a bit of a mysterious vibe. Yeah, as would give me all you got. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's I'm not sure. more forward, though, than I'm alone, I'm not lonely. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, one's, one's, playing for a cer- one's playing for a certain vibe, one's playing for another. There's nothing wrong. If you open with, lady, why are you so interested in what I read and what I do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much success you're having. Jeez, do you want to find out anything about me? No, fair. I, I, I get that. Um, any more for any more? Well, I think it is weird. And if you kind of read anything about the characters, like, as weird a character as she is and as weird a character as he is, it does weirdly feel like it works. Like it doesn't they, feel. I, like I think they're good on screen match. together. Yeah, yeah, I think they're good on screen together. I have to say. In the opening, in the like when they meet, she is just she, she comes off like you don't know yet that she's fucking off the reservation, but she's just so lovely in that scene that somehow it works. I think it's kind of like the in between of we're we're still in in this stage and we're still in that stage for probably another fifteen years where women in this type of film are ultimately used as like a vehicle to kind yeah. of get to the next stage and they kind of use her as that without making her like an object in the film like her character still has things to do she gives uh, macaulay a reason to want to get out of the life and want to go away somewhere and have someone to take with him he actually gets a bit soppy near the end doesn't he yeah. um so she's in there for that kind of reason but at the same time she also has the stance of like having no brains to herself whatsoever. Like every every choice she makes is like, why the hell are you? What? Why would you do that? 
No, fair. Like, she does make some poor choices. running away to being like, oh, okay, you are a massive criminal. Yeah, I'll go away with you. Yeah. Uh, She's still down. Even when he's walking away, she's looking at him like, where are you going? Not like, oh, thank fuck he's gone. It's like, where are you, where are you going? Yeah, now? yeah. Um, I realise, oh, we'll get to the end. We're, we're jumping about a lot here. Yeah. But I still think he's got time to get in that car, by the way. Yeah. If he drives, yeah. if he drives to that hangar, they get away, they live happily ever after. I don't I don't know about that. Well, Hannah, he ain't catching him, is he? No, but I think he's... He's drawn attention to his plan by then as to what he's trying to do. He's brought more heat upon himself by being seen in the area. Maybe he doesn't want... I think he thinks we end this here and now. I'm going down or he's going down. Well, that's, exactly what he, that's exactly what he thinks. But poor decision-maker. He makes he yeah. makes some great choices in this, but he has some lapse well, in judgment. For a guy that is supposed to be a great decision-maker, he, he makes as many horrible choices in this film as anyone. Yeah goes against literally every single one of his own rules. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Killing Wayne Grove, going but to kill Wayne Grove is we'll get there, a horrendous I'm, decision. I, I disagree on that. But we've still got a bit to go to get there, haven't we? So we don't want yeah. to uh, Can we talk about can we talk about Albert? Go right for it, because I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. I genuinely love this scene. <laughs> I watched it um, literally I closed the YouTube app and then called you that's as nice. recent as I've watched this because in my head I've just had yeah one it's, quote <laughs> it's phenomenal um, walks in where were you Vincent you know he, he says you know I was out I was dancing you know I'm a dancer <clears throat> the one copper calls him a crackhead he's like hey the substance abuse problem. I'm forward thinking for 1995. Um, he says, "Did you fall in love? At least tell me that. I can, I, I can live with that." And he says, "My brother's gonna, my brother Richard. He's gonna, he's gonna meet you." I implored him to come. He said tonight. He said no. He's in Phoenix, and then we've got Pacino singing. Do, do you need me to do that for the pod? Yeah, go on, go, go for oh, it. Okay. Oh, I probably should have just into it. when you said about it. So. What are you thinking of? You think thinking about Ralph? I'm thinking with him and uh, Marciano. Him and what? Marciano. Oh, Hank Azaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's we'll, we'll, we will, we will get that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. I know what quote you're thinking of. I thought now. I've got the placement of scenes wrong again, which is what was confusing me. No, no, a while before. Then we get by the yeah. time I get to Phoenix. <laughs> It's just, it's, it's amazing. Oh, I love it so much. And then I do for you, you don't do for me. Is that it? This is when he's over the top. I think this yeah. might be, this might be his best over the top in, in it. I know everyone thinks about the Ancazaria thing, but <coughs> she's walking away just screaming, "Don't waste my motherfucking time!" <laughs> I love it. It's. Like it could be a thirty-second scene, goes on for about two minutes, and it's just Pacino being Pacino. It's sensational. I saw a tweet from someone about this film, and um, they said something I'm sure has been said before. In that, rather than the story of originally this character was supposed to be on coke, like if Pacino just came out and said, "You know what? I was having a bit of a double while filming Heat." Everyone, yeah, 
that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Say yeah. no more. Yeah. It wasn't the character, and it was just like, yeah, I tell you what, 95. Oh, I would bang on it. You'd be like, yeah, of course you were. I've seen fucking ink, mate. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not un- un- unconceivable. Um, then we get the first time we hear it, we hear it two, two, three times in the film. But after this, we get to where it's just genuinely just the best quote in this film, and there are a lot of fantastic quotes in this film. But this time when he phrased it, Big Jimmy Mack in the yard used to say, I've nothing in your life you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. Yeah. Which leads me to my first question. Go on. Would you walk out on me if the heat was around the corner? Um, it might depend on how much heat there was, you know. Because I'm talking I, I this scenario. Every... <laughs> um, yeah, probably. You're a disgrace. I think, <laughs> I think at this stage, are you De Niro in this instance? Or am I De Niro? Well, you'd be De Niro. I'd be Edie in this scenario. Yeah. For it. I know. I'd be, I'd be, I I'd be Val Kilmer or Sizemore. Johnny, I feel on. like if I say this same quote to you to the point that you can say it along with me every time, like I don't think it's disrespectful then to walk out on you at that point because I've told you so many times I'm going to do it. So, but he never like says you, he's going to do it. And at this point, he, at this point in the film, he he hasn't said he's he's going to. He's just saying this is what they used to say. What Big Jimmy Mack in the yard used to say. So, well, Big Jimmy Mac says, you don't argue with Big Jimmy Mac. I have so nothing you in your life you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. No, in all seriousness, uh, as cool as that sounds, that's quite a depressing mantra to live by. It is what it is. He robs banks and fucking kills people. His life's pretty depressing right. anyway. I've got football manager saves I wouldn't walk out on. Mm. I mean, I'd, I'd be there for you. I'll be honest. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, at that point. I think, um, yeah, I'll say it like uh, Bobby D, make sure everyone knows um, that's what we're saying, but it might be a case um, like uh, with Val Kilmer. Like, I'll get you to uh, Jeremy Piven and then I'm like, I'll, I'll see you in a minute. I don't think, I, I don't think, I've, I, funnily enough, he actually breaks it at that point. He, he does. Should, he should bomb Kilmer straight away. And he has a bit where he stops, and I think you're supposed mm. to, when you watch it back, be like, okay, he could, he did clock. This is what I should do. Yeah. Um, well, after that rather disappointing answer, I'll be honest. Um, I just backtracked. I said I'd get you to safety, and then it might be that you're a burden at this point. <laughs> mm. We then get the... We get the, we get to meet, we, we've met John Voight by this point. Sensational in this film, by the way. <laughs> I fucking love John Voight. What a guy. Um... I can see you we, with his uh, barnet. What a ponytail. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the airline is going back a lot, so maybe, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day. I don't know how long I'd have to. I'd have to let my hair go for ages. My hair really grows a lot, lot thicker. It doesn't really grow long. We, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, um, what we got? Macaulay trying to sell back to Van Zandt. We've got the first. The first phone call is irrelevant. Van Zandt says he's going to kill him. You've got to meet some one guy on his own. Yeah. Toss the package. Kilmer, boy. Great cover in this film. Val Kilmer, honestly, if I'm robbing bank, I want I want Chris on my team. Yeah, I, I've got this down for later, but he is like he is as on site as it gets. Yeah, he's mate. He's like, he's about it. He he is when he see when he feels the heat, he charges at it. He, yeah. he is. I've got he I've is, got my sunscreen on. I mean business. 
he is the most committed. He is that guy. And it wasn't but, always going to be Val Kilmer. No? Uh, originally, um, yeah. it was down to two. It was Val Kilmer and Keanu Reeves. Oh, you told me that. I'm glad it's Keanu, Keanu Reeves, like, biggest movie star in the world at this point. This is, this is straight off the back of Speed. Yeah, I was going to say, just on Speed. Um, so it, uh, it very much looked like it was going to be Keanu Reeves. And then, as we've seen several times across uh, doing this podcast, the director knows who they really want. And when Val Kilmer says, I'll come straight off the set of Batman Forever, don't give me a break, I'll dive straight in. Um, and so they say to Keanu, look, we think you're a great guy, but you don't have, you're, you're, you're about six inches too short. You don't have a ponytail. And you... Ponytails are a strong look in this film. <laughs> they are. Is, it should be fair. Is, is Keanu Reeves too too handsome to be alongside? Uh, I don't want. I don't. Pacino? I don't want Keanu in this. No. I don't want him. I don't know why. You know, you you know my feelings on Keanu Reeves. He's the only He's thing what? I like in the Matrix. He's sensational, unbelievable guy. Might be worth updating the listeners that I've now seen John Wick too. For anyone that was keeping their tabs. Oh yeah. Um, I, I text you, so I'll see. Uh, I'll see John Wick three. I'll, I'll I'll commit that far. I'll probably see John Wick four. Oh, it's I like the I, I, I like the I like the third one. I really like the third one actually. So, just speaking of Val Kilmer, I've got a quote down here for you um, from a semi-recent interview um, online. It was a Reddit one actually, and he was asked what it was like working on Heat. Yeah, and he gave a long answer. He said this, well, imagine being able to say Al and Bob for the rest of your life. Not many people can do that. I've seen Bob giggling like a schoolgirl in a van in the middle of the night because we have to be so quiet because they're filming outside. I've been hugged by Al Pacino in the middle of downtown L.A. like he was my older brother. I've shot live rounds from high-powered assault weapons over Bob's head while rehearsing lines from our film. I got to kiss Ashley Judd. I sometimes lived at Michael Mann's house. I'm in one of the greatest cops and robbers films in film history. Has to be top 20. I'm on the poster, for goodness sake. What an honour, priceless experience. Watching all the actors do their thing. We all work hard, but when you're with icons, you get really squared away, and I loved every single minute of it. Fair enough. It's a pretty good answer, mate. I like when people aren't too cool to say how much they appreciate other actors. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Can you imagine if, if they did feel, I, I can't imagine De Niro or Pacino getting that kind of giddy about working with anyone else. Whether they should do is, is another question because they are De Niro and Pacino, but Val no. Kilmer was a massive star at this point. And even yeah. still, he's that gas to be working with those two to the point where this is like 20 years later, and he still looks back at it that fondly, the experiences mm. he had. Even sneaking in just after he was to kiss Ashley Judd. <laughs> yeah. I text I, te- I text you while watching this that I think me and Val Kilmer could scrap. I don't like you him at the don't start want of the film. <laughs> the you don't want that work. When at the start of the film when he's at the DIY store yeah. and um, he's collected, he's got a real like snarky look about him. And I was I was sizing him up at that point. Like, could, could I, 
And then you see him stood next to um, uh, De Niro and, and the other boy. He even stood next to um, Tom Sizemore. Mm. <laughs> You're a bigger bloke than I thought you were, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's a big lad, mate, Val. And he is. I'm not so sure about him. 1995 Kilmer's in some good shape. Yeah, I think I'm um, I'm going like Ric Flair, like the dirtiest player in the game there. I'm going to have to do the thing. Um, you know, Ric Flair would do that little bop and he'd like poke your eyes. Yeah, and then, yeah. like nut shot you. Like that's probably yeah. gonna have to be my approach with Val Kilmer. And on, just down hope, on one knee, just hitting that full low blow. Exactly, but just hope that I can then later on say, you know, I actually uh, beat Val Kilmer in a fight once. And people say, how'd you do that? Oh, I don't like talking about it. <laughs> no yeah, details. Steady either. work. I took him out. Yeah, it's fair. And we get the meat. Uh, obviously, the meat goes when he runs that blow over. I say it's so good. Sizemore just. Sizemore just popping up with a shot here. It's so good because they've given you enough time as well bef- since the um, opening heist mm. where you've not forgotten, but you're kind of, you're settled in. You're enjoying seeing De Niro and Pacino go to work. You've got, they're making you laugh. They're just kind of, you've got the cat and mouse thing going on. And this is kind of the uh, don't forget what you're here for kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And we get the conversation with uh, sorry, I was going to say we get we get the conversation with Van Zant. Yeah. yeah. Forget forget the money. What do, you, what do you mean forget the money? What are you doing? What am I doing? Talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand because there is a dead man at the end of this line. The end of this fucking line, he says. Actually, he really goes into, he goes in. Unbelievable. Um, then after it obviously goes Pete Tong. Goes yeah, to I, me. I don't, on that scene. I, I don't think there's a single action scene in this film where you come out feeling shortchanged. No. Like, it's very much, we'd rather give you more than not enough. Like, they, they could easily... But they, ne- never give, they never give you too much. No, but, like, you could easily have uh, Macaulay take a shot, Val Kilmer take him out from above. He's done his job in that scene. You've had the suspense of um, the gunman kind of trying to sneak up on uh, De Niro and take him out that way. you still mm. got the phone call at the end of it. But they're like, you know what, that's not enough. I'm going to see Macaulay drive his car on onto incoming gunfire because everyone in this film is so reckless when it comes to bullets coming towards them. They don't yeah, no, try to move, they just run no. at them <laughs> like you're playing Call of Duty. And they give you that on top of this. You could have the most dull scene here and you that phone call at the end is going to make that scene memorable no matter what action takes place there. Yeah, but to give it that that lovely icing underneath, ready for that cherry on top, is just perfect. Perfect. What a good way to describe this film. The, the way they use Val Kilmer as well is it, it, very good because they obviously don't want anyone overpowering De Niro and Pacino. But also, no. if you put up the money for Val Kilmer, get your money's worth, and they do yeah, yeah. get they get everything they want out of him. He's still got his name on the poster to draw people in. It's obviously, you don't even notice it because you're looking at De Niro Pacino, most of all. But he still has a significant role in this for a big actor. So you can see how, whether it was going to be him, whether it was going to be Keanu Reeves, it's a good thing they did get someone significant there. Because some of what you read in terms of the way they were offering that role about, it it could have been a lot worse. But the way they banded him, Michael Mann, I think, I don't know if he just didn't have a clear vision for the role. Maybe backtracking on what I said before, but the way I think he had the idea, but he was bandying it about 
this could have been someone far worse, but you, 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 you get a great A performance from Val Kilmer in there. Yeah, you do. He's, he's great in this, mate. He really is. Then what, um, what do we have next? The, the monitoring of um, monitoring Macaulay, is that? No, is that a little next? bit late, later on, later on. What, what have you got in between then? Uh, in between, where they decide, where they have the conversation. Oh no! Wait. Okay. Yeah. They they have a conversation about doing the job. Oh, sorry, sorry, like yeah, because they they have to monitor him first because they, they oh, have right. the conversation. They have the conversation after where they know that he's on them. They don't know that he's on them at this point. No. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry, I've just found. Got... <coughs> I've just got for me the action is the juice written down next. Yeah. Yeah. So you before that you've got um the informant at the LAPD um connects uh Chirito to the robbery. Yeah. And just because he uses the word slick, that, that's probably the main flaw of this film. The yeah. use of the word slick just brings everything down. But then um, eventually he gets there. He, the, but like yeah. the conversation's just going. He's like, oh, because he, he says slick again. He's like, oh, who, who's, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Yeah. Um, and then he get, obviously gets the name. And where do we go from there? Sorry, my well, notes are... the club. Hannah's team begin monitoring him, leading them to find the rest of the crew where they're looking up um, from oh, the building got above. The, got, yeah, um, sort of they go to the metal the depository. Yeah. Um, Hannah's team stakes it out and then one of the officers makes a noise. Um, yeah. Macaulay gets tipped. Um, and then he, he got, what well, who's he looking at? I think I know who he's looking at. Yeah, Ooh, and at the same us. time you've got Hannah's team uh, investigating Wayne Groves after he's just murdered that child prostitute. Yeah. So there's a lot going on to yeah. get the heat on them at this point. Then you've got, uh, and then that's. I do love, uh, I do love Pacino. Who are they looking at? Us. LAPD. <laughs> for for a film that doesn't have many gadgets and things outside of a helicopter that seemingly is like GTA cheat code style like Pacino clicks his fingers and he's got a mm. pilot there just ready to go in that scene with um, I don't know the right word for it but kind of the like night cameras night vision looking through where you've got that cool clip on the monitor of De Niro's face kind of all like yeah. greened out on the screen I'm glad that all the gadgets they used, they did still use that because it looks very cool when he's staring at them through that yeah. without knowing that he's doing it and them not knowing either. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, I do. Some of the, the tech in it dates this. So, like, it's the only thing about like now, it just dates it so much. I think it's good, though. No, I'm not saying in a bad way, but it does. Everyone's the same now. Previously, around this, this time, there were so many different ways to catch person that it wasn't going to be the usual we'll end up going down the, the technology route yeah um, there's a lot more to it here they actually have to do the cat and mouse cops and robbers thing i saw a, a, a tweet yesterday i think it was saying if you got caught for crime in the 1800s you must have just been the biggest idiot there was like you literally moved 10 minutes down the road and grow a beard mm-hmm. and just there's nothing to connect you to the crime yeah. This way around, you're kind of in that perfect middle ground where they have some kind of technology to be able to track things. They've got databases and things. Yeah. At the same time, they're slapping to do the footwork. No, fair. Fair, I get that. Macaulay, now, he, he's, he's got a no to leave when they've got the heat on them. 
Needs that money, though. He shouldn't even be putting this down to a vote. Needs that money. Yeah, but he knows deep. Like the fact that he's even. But where's he going to go? Where's he needs that money? Doesn't get our back. Doesn't get our fans and pay out. I think needs, needs it. And 12.1, Come on, now. Even move somewhere else and and do a job there. But he wants out completely, doesn't he? The graft on this job. He wants out completely, mate. In all fairness, we're criticising him. He could have got away with it. Is the, is, is the thing that it falls down to? Like he could have got away with this. It's his own fault that he he ends up getting iced. Yeah, I mean, he but he needs that Van's out money. He needs that money, doesn't he, to get away? Yeah. You know, so you are right. The the vote thing, the vote thing's meant because it's just such a good scene. Five like, more, just absolutely going for it. Yeah, for me, the action is the juice. That's <laughs> just that's that's how I want you to live your life from now. The way he gives that as well is like, I've got one line here and I'm yeah. making the most of my one line. It is essentially all he fucking says in the film, by the way. Because this is like, uh, if it was in a play, all the lights black out, the spotlight beams down. He looks out to the crowd and then says, you know, for me, the action is the juice. The action is and the juice. And then there's the standing ovation. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. Also, that's your Tinder bio. The action is the juice. Yeah. Could go many ways. Could go many ways. But you take your risk. Because, why do you take your risk? <laughs> because the action is the juice. Yeah. See, it's, it's self-fulfilling. Is it after this that Hannah rants at Marciano or am I getting ahead of it again? No, no, no. Well, right. No, it is. Well, no, it isn't. No, you're right. You're right. No, you now move. We'd now be moving <laughs> to, we go Hank. We go Hank Azaria, then for me we'll we'll do the diner scene because we can skip a couple of we can skip a couple of bits there unless you want. Is is this the most coke tower anyone has ever been? Without being film? on coke. Yeah, like this is like he's filmed the end scene of Scarface where he's got the mountains on the desk and he's just putting his face in it. If he just walked straight off that and did this in his Scarface suit, it would make perfect sense. This is <laughs> sensational. Why did I get involved with that bitch, man? Do you want to do it? No, I, don't, I, I tried um, before we started recording. And you, it was one of them, it sounds great in my head. And when I did it, and it sounded like um, like a like a Western, like Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry impression rather than a Husky Pacino. I, I couldn't even get the husk right. I don't think I don't, I don't think I can. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm happy to give it a go, but I don't think I can. But the, the worst is building it up like this for either of us. Yeah, you just got to fire out with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that's what like, we didn't don't do yeah. it enough. But she's got a great ass, <laughs> and you got your head all the way of it. <laughs> the best thing about that isn't even Pacino in in that because first of all, I, I don't know if you'd read before that. That's all um, improvised yes. by Pacino. Yeah, I was going to say that to you. That's why when yeah. Hank Azaria goes, Jesus, that's, that's genuinely that's, his reaction. That's he's so, gets me, you know? he's so timid. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is, I, I, I don't think he thought that was going to make the final cut because him saying that is almost like, Jesus, <laughs> where did that come from? It's when, um, it's so when, uh, what's it? When, uh, when, as Pacino saying, "You got your head all the way up," it um, he's mate, he's almost like dancing. It's fucking so funny. <laughs> and then he's saying after, he, he's like, shakes. 
he says after he's like, oh, I'm talking about a woman's ass, he just gets something out of me. What something on out earth of have you taken before this, Al? It's unreal. It out. It's when he's like, ooh, ooh, you can't do this. And he's just a. Uh, he just he absolutely grips him, just manhandles him. <laughs> the other detective in the scene that's um, with uh, Kilmer's piece uh, at, at the end, he's smiling and nodding along like, I know what you mean. I've seen her before. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the grin is he's like, yeah, I know yeah. he is. There's a conversation. I've got a question about Charlie, but we'll get there. There yeah. are some questions lined up for the end. But that, um, that, that scene, like, you could cut that and it makes no difference. <laughs> no, you are right. It makes, it, it, but in the, now that it's there, yeah, it has to that, be that. It's so funny. That's Michael Mann, and I bet he's idled over that scene. And then he's just, there's probably someone who said, oh, yeah, I, I don't think you should keep it. And then he's gone, like, how can you get rid of that? You got your head. Oh, the way off it! It's so good. <laughs> My Pacino impression is getting better, actually. <laughs> it's because your voice is wearing out uh, with each um, with each attempt. No, no. Told you I should have just ch- I should could have just chain smoked before before we started the pod, and I could have just come in and did the old thing as uh, as Vincent Hanna. Hopefully, you can't hear a cat purring because it's all over me as I'm trying to do this. Um, yeah, the diner scene then up, up next, uh, as you said. Uh, iconic. Now I'd seen bits. Of it is, but I love the drive. I love yeah. the drive before. Yeah, like the little bait, you. like the, just kicks in. Where am I? And then he stopped there. But like you say, like, yeah, where are you? Oh, got the airport right. Just come. He's just like, yeah, can you just come and pick me up on yeah. the freeway. Basically, yeah. he's like, he's like, yeah, drop down on the M5 and grab me while you lads. Like I know it's supposed to be late at night, but they land that helicopter with a lot of these. Is all I'd say. Yeah, they do the whole film. Um, True. But yeah, I think it was um, one of our first exercises we did in um, media studies is um, we had to do a lesson on uh, continuity. Um, essentially, uh, I'm not treating you like an idiot, but when you're filming from multiple angles, so the background isn't different, because that would really like draw mm-hmm. your attention to it, making sure it's kind of mirrored correctly so everything... Um, looks right and it's usually for a scene like this where you're having a conversation between two people back and forth um, yeah and the way they do it in this one is they have a camera at both sides of the table so they don't have, to have any cuts at all yeah um, do you know um, fact, for for ages like it's like an urban legend but people thought yeah. pacino and de niro <laughs> hated each other because of the way it was shot they were like they were, they were never there so they were never actually in yeah. the room together but then they confirmed that no, they just shot it like you said. They had a camera at both sides well, so they could cut. But in cinemas, people obviously saw them together because they released it wide release. But it yeah, was yeah. the people that saw it on the VHS kind of squared release. And I guess once you've seen it like that, people were talking themselves out of the fact whether they had truly seen them together. Because mm. they didn't put that in the trailers, did they? That was kind no. of you were tuning in to get to see them together. So they weren't going to give you that in the trailer. Yeah, great quotes in this so, as well. Yeah, I mean, based the one we did in media studies, and I'll send you it after, because it's, it's as cringe as it could possibly be, um, was I'm having a conversation in a, in a pink, in a purple hoodie with a pink polo shirt on. Must have been inspired by, um, like, 2008 Kanye. Mm. Um, of the person I'm with has forgot their lunch. 
and I'm telling him he can share my lunch. Is basically how this goes, and it's across a dinner table. But we had to do it with um, filming from from both sides because the, the the budget for media studies you don't get two cameras. But it was the the task of making sure they had there was the continuity there. Mm. With this one, De Niro, and I, I love as we go on these De Niro acting stories, where he spoke to Pacino and Michael Mann and said they should have no rehearsal before shooting this because they should have that unfamiliarity on camera um, and it also gave them more scope to improvise because their reactions would then be um, more real and there's a quote from Michael Mann which when I said earlier about the films and us wanting to get to certain ones like you've been waiting obviously to do this film on here mm-hmm. is he said he almost wanted to hurry through the start of filming just to get to this scene because he was just so excited just to see these two on camera together but at the same time it made everything else better because he was shooting with such an excitement going through him that look once we get this perfect then we can get to the next one and once we get this perfect we can get to this diner scene so he didn't rush it he didn't like get that as the first scene on there he had enough scenes with their main character then building up what they wanted to do and then cleared house and just let these two just go to work on camera and obviously it it goes tremendously it does it is brilliant it it, it's like it starts out like the the do you want to get a coffee he's like yeah sure (laughs) follow me and he like gets on as they start and he goes through like oh this is where you've been who you were and he goes and he says uh chased a lot of crews you know some guys get caught because some guys get caught because they want to get caught. It's the same because they're looking to go back. Mate, basically, just rip that good fellas up. But we 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 move, and he says, "You see me doing liquor store liquor store holdups. We were born to lose tattoo on my chest. <laughs> I am never going back." Um, says again. Then you get you you get never have anything in your life that you can't walk away from in thirty seconds if you feel the heat around the corner. And he says, "Can you can you do that?" He says, "This girl, you're gonna leave her." He says, well, that's the discipline. Yeah. We'll get to this later, but plays himself. That's all I'm going to say. Plays himself massively. Um, you never wanted... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, go on. Pacino in this, when he starts doing... Uh, I've got a, I've got a, a, a wife who yeah. we just go by each other. I've got a stepdaughter uh, who's fucked up and all this. The way he says it, Sounds like Cartman when he's impersonating a police officer in South Park. And he's telling his war stories like, it's been a long old road. Or even in the World War Z episode where he's like, a beautiful wife. Loving kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slows it down the husky voice, please. You never wanted a, a regular type life. Barbecue and ball games. I've got a regular real gripe with that because that sounds like a wonderful life. Yeah, you answered my question. I was going to say, is that the life that you aspire to? Barbecues <laughs> that, and ball games. That sounds great. I mean... That was going to be one of my questions, was would you take the regular life? Yeah, I mean, he's got a kid, not his... Um, Natalie Portman does look like hard work in this. Um, got, well, he says, is that your life? He says, no, my life. No. Um, it's a disaster zone. Good good wife on the side, just wants uh, so, so, some love from... Uh, yeah, ju- just... 
just Justine, by the way, she gets a bad rap in this film, but yeah, all she's actually to... asking is for her husband just to be a bit more present. Yeah, we'll get to this because I've not been my favourite scene in the whole film. Yeah. Um... Disgraceful broker. And then there we go. Um, <laughs> goes through, yeah, we're passing each, other, passing each other on a downward slope of a marriage. Great way to describe your relationship, by the way. <laughs> um, and he says, uh, Joe, we, we've been sat there. We, we've been sat next to each other. If it comes between you and some poor bastard, I will, will put you down. Yeah, and now we've been face to face. If I'm there and I've got to put you away, I won't like it. But I tell you, if it's between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're going to turn into a widow, brother, you are brother. going down. <laughs> it's sad, mate. It sounds like Hulk Hogan when he does that. Oh, um, brother. And then that little De Niro looks away mm. and then licks his lips and he says, uh, there's a flip side to that coin. What if you do get me boxed in? I got to put you down. No matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face here. Yeah. I will not hesitate, not for a second. The the, the chemistry is insane. It's electrifying, mate. You've got genuinely electric. Who are both phenomenal, but like you could put, you could get a Messi Ronaldo Salah front line. It might not click. You can get Messi Suarez Neymar, and it can be dynamite. Just being excellent isn't enough. Like you no. need, you need that. To be able here. to play off someone. Yeah, exactly. De Niro in this film, the fact that what we've said about him and Edie as well, he's just like glowing throughout this. He's like mm-hmm. anyone who's in this with me, I'm lifting them up and we're going mm. because he he makes everyone better. This whole film. He does. Uh, I also like. I don't know. How, I don't know how to do much else. Neither do I. I don't much want to. Neither do I. I, I. I love that the 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 admiration mm. between them. Yeah. I actually, I saw uh, I saw a YouTube comment when I was looking at this earlier, and it it really it really got me actually when I when I was reading it, and you don't really expect that, but someone was basically saying that. Um, their dad loved both De Niro and Pacino mm. and she wanted to take him to see them together and unfortunately he passed away before uh, she got to see this but she was saying like, she brought a framed photo of him in to see Heat together so they could so they could see this. And it was also a YouTube comment and mm. you saw just the worst part of the internet where the top comment was a bloke with a PhD or so he had and he commented in there and why is this relevant to the scene? And he's just getting smoked in the comments Good. after that with people Fucking saying like, dickhead. but she's saying like he didn't get to see Casino, he didn't get to see uh, these these two together on screen. But all the comments after are, are really nice. But it did just kind of hammer home with what we've said about these two together. Like you said, this was like a heavyweight clash. Like mm. we need yeah. to see these two face to face. Yeah, and the fact what's this. So this is 95. about an hour and oh, sorry. 23 minutes in, I think, is something yeah. along the lines of that, because I know... It's about halfway through. Uh, yeah. So we've given you enough on both sides here. Mm. Like you've waited long enough now. Now we're going to let you see these guys cook. Yeah. And to be honest, they could have they recreated a scene from Master and Commander here, and I think 
we'd still be amazed at what, at what they're doing. He's not they don't, quite um, this. they don't oversell this though. Do it's, you think they, they could have let this go for, I don't know, 18, 20 something minutes, right? Just have yeah. it, but it, it, it's what, five, six minutes? Yeah, I've thought ever since he asked it, and obviously it did, it did well for us at the time, but when TK asked um, David Dobkin about, you've got Will Ferrell there, mm. how do you not just kind of dine out on that? How do you know to not overuse it? Mm. And Michael Mann in this, for a film, by the way, that's nearly three hours long, we wouldn't be complaining. We wouldn't, even if the scene felt long, it would be hard for us to come on here and say, an issue I have is we got too much in that scene with De Niro and Pacino. No, but you don't. You do, it's just, it but is he's brilliant. Done enough, hasn't he? So for you to yeah. be like, you get oh, some really memorable right. lines. You get to see them act against each other or off each other, which is the important part. Because whilst they are both great in all parts of this film, who do you think's better in the scene? I think it's De Niro. I do too. And I thought you were going to say Pacino. Oh, I've I've got a question. We've, I'm going to ask you this at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that scene in particular. I, I think, think in that in that moment, it's De Niro. I think it works well because Pacino is so in your face in this. Like De Niro almost like steps to one side and says, "Like I don't need to compete with that," and he has no. the kind of perfect foil to it. No, he's calm, collect. He's, but he's supposed to be cool, calm, and collected, isn't he? And Pacino sets himself up for a minute one to be fucking all over the shop. <laughs> yeah. So it does work. From here, what are we going to the bank heist? I was going to do the heist. Um, yeah. I've bro- I broke it down a little. I, d- I don't know how much you want to do. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the downtown, but I don't know how much you want. I don't. Well, I've got I would... a question to ask you. First of all, and that's um, the inclusion of uh, Breeden, who gets brought in as a kind of side character. To me, I see him and I see David Palmer, the president from 24, and that's what I'll forever see him as. But is that another one to you where you're like, this was probably a great little side story in the TV series? A guy yeah, who's come out of prison, his wife or girlfriend is trying to get him down the right path, eventually... He's got this shitty job, he's being abused by his boss, and he sees this easy way out. Smacks fuck out of his boss, by the way. Yeah. Just on. puts it on him straight away. He, not that guy. I can't think of anyone that hasn't thought about doing that to at least one boss they've had in their life. So whenever you see that on screen, I mean, it was literally the, 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 the foundation of Stone Cold Steve Austin's popularity. Well, not the foundation, but this was yeah. what took him to another level, is because people wanted to tune in every week. I see someone beat the shit out of their boss because everyone was fantasised about doing the exact same thing. And in that little 30 second clip that you get in this, you've been rooting for it since you saw that boss on screen the first time. Yeah, he's a dick straight away. And really the fact is. that you see it is a lovely little... Yeah, I mean, he gets iced in 10 minutes time, but at least he got that. At least he got yeah. that moment first. The hoist again, very slick. Really slick. In, out... Obviously, it goes awry, um, and it do, does go awry, and goes awry pretty quickly because Hannah's on the scene. But actually, when they're in the bank, moves really fast, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, to the point where, um, sounds bad, um, 
I felt quite tired when I was watching this. And I thought briefly that I may have drifted off and woke up with them coming out of the building. I haven't. I've watched the last 45 minutes of, of this film three times this week now. Um, but yeah, they very much do get in, get out, do their business. And I think that plays into... Michael Mann doesn't see this as a crime thriller or anything like that. He sees this as a drama with action scenes in it. Mm. And that probably plays into him not hamming up and going all in. I know we get a fantastic scene that we're about to get into. But I think that's just because that's how he thinks this would play out rather than get me 10,000 bullets on the screen, get me some explosions. <laughs> no. Can you imagine Michael Bay doing this? Oh Feel bad putting down your boy, but this would be a very different scene if it was him doing that. Be a very different film, but fucking hell, wouldn't it be fun? It would be, but I also feel like we, we'd have felt like we'd seen it 5,000 times before, whereas this You're does right. feel truly unique. It is. It, is, it actually is unique, mate. It's so good. The most similar I, I thought was there's a scene in um, the town when they're coming out, and that's, and that's probably they've taken a lot of inspiration from Heat, I think, in that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. One hundred percent. Like, yeah. It, it, like, I don't want to say it's a rip off, but fuck it. There are certain scenes where you could, you could, you could, couldn't quite frame by frame it, but you wouldn't be far off. No, I mean, man, uh, supposedly went out of his way to really coach all of the actors portraying the police to really ensure that when they were on camera, even whether it was in the periphery or um, if they were right in just a corner shot he wanted to make sure they looked at every point like they were deliberately aiming every single shot they took. So it was a real bugbear of his when you would see a scene like this and the police are firing off like automatic weapons from the hip with public running around yeah. in front of all these people and they have no care in the world for what they're going to hit. It's just like, we need to get this bad guy and a stormtrooper basically. Yeah. And he said that wouldn't happen. Like You, you couldn't get no. away with this, whether it does or not so he really wanted to hammer home you've got rifles in this scene seven automatic rifles as policemen please ensure you're firing it as a policeman and not and not as anything else and then on the other hand he's told those involved in the heist swing this from the hip <laughs> as if you're like showing off at your idol like just go wild with it you don't care if you hit anyone running down the street as long as you get out of here alive and with the cash nothing else matters to you so go all in and so you do get this lovely back and forth especially when you have it on one side of the street facing the other then you get the contrast and i, I looked out for it the second time after reading this um, once i'd watched it to really uh, kind of hammer that home and they do really make a point of it yeah yeah uh, and that's the point it? but it, it works so well everyone looks looks the part in it um and it looks it's stylish it's slick kilmer's doesn't he barely say the only thing he says is go and move but kilmer basically when i watch this scene i watch it for val kilmer it it feels like a like a video game scene to me yes two things here one it does just feel like a call of duty mission where you know you can take a couple of bullets that kind of skim past you because very rarely in 
Call of Duty when you're playing a campaign, do you get capped in the head and you're down? So you can mm. walk through bullets to get to your man. And Val Kilmer in this <laughs> embodies that perfectly. Yeah. But you spoke about the Scarface video game when we did that episode. And I don't know if mm. you know. That... Made a video game for Heat. Or they tried so, to. Yeah, it was in development around 2009, but never came to fruition. I hope they do. Do you think? Do you think 2025. Or would they have to create things, create scenes of their own? I think they'd have to put scenes of their own in. Yeah, that's it. So that's why he, he seemed a strange choice, unless just the developer is just a massive fan of the film. I, I think basically, all the exactly, films I think that's exactly what it was. But yeah, I think you do it. It was a really weird choice. I know it'd be it'd be hard dish it'd be hard to do it, but I mean you just intertwine you'd be you solve a crime as Hannah and you're robbing it as Macaulay and Joe so forth so and so forth. Obviously that makes the ending for the ending you'd just play as Vincent Anna actually, wouldn't you? Because you unless you want to be the one who dies. Yeah, it's 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 very good, right down to the point where I mean Tom Sizemore's just grabbing kids. <laughs> Is it ever I've got a question for you. Is it ever acceptable to take a hu- to take a child as a human shield? <laughs> One, it's going to, I'm, I'm going to need several children if they're shielding me, which would be part of the issue. Um, no, I don't think it is. I think the the only way optically it could look worse in the film. I think you judge Tom Size more more here if he grabs a little old lady, and I don't know how you feel about that. I think you judge him more. If there's some little old deer crossing the street and he whips her up like he does that kid, she's like Absolutely. a thief, and he's no, like the he's kid's like five. It's like, the kid's like five. I'm. I think it would look worse. That shot from Pacino. Pacino, by the way, absolute marksman. I'm not giving him too much credit in this scene. Who? Because, big yeah, Sizemore essentially he squares him up here and says take your best shot when the way he turns into him it's not like the shot at the end of um dirty harry where he's literally like his whole body's covered and he still manages to find it like this, That's he, does he, ta- he even shoots the side target. away from the kid i mean he could, could, could go close but he takes the other side of the face it's him banging the cheekbone high-powered rifle sayonara the best, the best the part of the scene and it's just so unnecessary is Tom Sizemore falling over in the fountain? <laughs> yeah, But it's just it <laughs> just adds to the chaos, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of people oh. in this who don't run away quick enough for me. There's like people moving and shuffling. I hear that gun. I am. It might as well be a starter's pistol because I am gone, girl. There's a scene that I think it looks like it's outside like a supermarket, mm. and um, he's like a linebacker. <laughs> he's just bumping people off him with each arm, saying, "Get down, get down." Yeah. Riding and tackles, but like some of them, yeah, this is what I mean. But he's having to tell them there's gunshots gone by this point. No, there hasn't. No, 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 no. Kilmer fires the first shot after, actually. This is when he's running towards to get in get in position. Kilmer, mate, that bus pulls off. Kilmer sees it. Bang. Straight away. Ready to rock and roll at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, just takes off. Val Kilmer is, oh man, I know I just said it, but he is sensational in this scene. The movement. Does it all? He sees Pacino for one second, then he's he's in. Yeah, game time, baby. Yeah, like so. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Then obviously the little little drive, car crashes. They get out. They do the run. Bobby D picks picks Kilmer up. 
and take like takes him away. Um, just the the sense like the, the as a team they're sensational. Sizemore really makes the error because he just he bolts on his own. Like De Niro doesn't even ask about him, does he? After this, like I don't even think he mentions him. It's just like he does, yeah. Sorry. No, he does. When um okay. Edie says, "Oh, like was this you?" So yeah, one of one of them was my friend Michael. Oh, okay, not too good. Mm. And we move on to the who wasn't there trail. We move on to the mercy kill. Yeah, I haven't yeah, got in the locker. So in this scene, um, a family realise that it's been shot in their house. They realise this after they they've moved in way down the line. Um, they've mm. heard they was filmed in this kind of building, and they, they noticed something to say that it's in their house. Um, they rip up the carpet here to see if they can see any evidence, and um, the fake blood spatter from when he shoots him is still under the carpet. And nice. Despite the fact they've just torn up their carpet, they were they were buzzing about that because they were massive fans of the film before before the fact. It's pretty cool to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Finds I mean, out. Um, even after, you find. Sorry, go on. Say, even after that, you you, you then see him uh, deal with Van Zandt. Yeah. Just chair through the window and then bam, bam. Yeah. Like Wayne Grove warns him. By the way, when he meets Wayne Grove, he's like, "Oh, Joe, do you know him? Yeah, we did pulled some major scores together. So like, why haven't I heard from him? He's like, he's methodical. Don't worry, he hasn't forgotten about you." Like, do you know what I mean? This, and then you're employing this guy to go and go and do your man trail. Listen to him. Take his advice. Do you know what I mean? If he's saying he's coming for you, get get the fuck out of Dodge. Another example now, of poor decisions. Is it now that um, Hannah returns home, sees someone this, else? It is. Uh, it's uh, just after. Because yeah. he's like, where? Because he's like ten, twelve hours. Bang, pops him. Then he comes home, and then he, then you've got Ralph. <laughs> I didn't think you'd include this. I didn't really think about. It. I don't really ever think about this scene. What the Ralph scene? No. Oh, I, I think that's made me laugh more than <laughs> when he tells him to sit sit down, Ralph. And when he walks in and he sees him, and Ralph's like, "Oh no, I, you didn't tell me." Do you think she told him? Because you judge Ralph very differently if he genuinely doesn't know. You're on mute, by the way. Oh, thank you. Sorry. The best one, she's like, yeah, so I've just got to degrade myself with Ralph to get some <laughs> yeah. clothes from you. She He's so three feet away. Demean myself. Yeah. So do, you, so do you think Ralph knows? Demean, sorry. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, you can judge him a bit more harshly then, because he, he's comfy. Mm. He, he's not just sat on that sofa. He's like proper slumped in the sofa. I've been here before. I'm comfy. Yeah. Yeah. She's telling him your dinner's ready. Brazen by her, she obviously wants to be caught at this point. Um, and then, yeah, you don't get to watch my watch television. My television, mate. He absolutely launches that TV as well, and I don't really see what he's trying to achieve there. He says, he says um, uh, something like, uh, "You get to bone my wife if that's what she wants." So, I'll, uh, nice of you, uh, Vince. Passes his wife on very quick. It's all, all you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it it is it is so good because it's just kind of um, the final kind of coming to of what we've seen in every exchange that he's had with his wife kind of coming up to this point. We've got him coming home, 
to uh, the overcooked chicken, which long day at work, he doesn't need that. Um, overcooked cold chicken, actually. He's going got the party that they go to where his pager goes off in the middle of it and leaves her behind. And he says, uh, baby, this is what you signed up for when you first hooked up with me. You knew that I was married to the game and all this. Um, she tells him, you, you, you become, become what you're pursuing or something along those lines, which is quite a cold line. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, fair enough. You're right. But all of this, I mean, Ralph gets some action at the end of it. It, it, it gives some closure to uh, Hannah and his wife. Everyone gets everyone gets what they came for in this scene, apart from Ralph doesn't get his uh, dinner at, uh, right at the end. He doesn't. No, he doesn't get I do like um, I do like the bit where Jeff bit at your party said, "You know, you knew you'd have to share me with <laughs> all the bad guys," and she says, "Share." Is it Sharon? This isn't Sharon. This is leftovers. Well, actually, that's just a great line. Should we tell people you're just getting a drink here? Because we just heard the tap go and we've heard a bit of an echo. So, yeah, yeah, it was in, it was in the kitchen, shall we say? Oh, we had uh, Harper and Mitch being on the shitter on Monday, so um, mid episode, so one of those weeks. Um, not something I would do, um, obviously. Um, but that. Yeah, that, that, that whole scene. Um, that, that oh, whole scene I'm really surprised that you've got such an affection for it. Like, it, it, so, it just made me laugh. Um, and the fact it is, it a couple of times. It is funny. It, it is funny, but I don't even really, I don't yeah, even really think about got it. A lot of rest, can bet there's a lot of summer going on down the mic. Oh, sorry. What was that? Point. Well, I couldn't hear you. Oh, um, sorry, I was moving back to my position. Um, yeah, um, I, I was just surprised you were so taken <laughs> with it because I don't I, like I say I when you text me you text you text me saying sit down Ralph earlier I did chuckle but I like I I hadn't like I hadn't even got it written down as one of the scenes I was going to do no so it's, it's it's great I think I was much notes for this scene as I had for um, the bank post um that's just great scene um. Up next, then, before we get to the ending, um, I guess Macaulay turning back is the uh... Wayne Grove killing. Now, I, I, this is a mistake. Yeah, I, I referenced it on the Scarface pod. Um, Jay Z watched a throne uh, in this motherfucker alive when he says, "Know when to leave when the heat is coming." I learned that this is where De Niro would be if he ain't turned back. Now, um, I forget your man's name, uh, John Voigt, in this, when he says, and he knows what he's doing, I assume you don't want to know, but it's like, come on. You know, it's, you're a, great way, it's a great way to phrase that, by the way. Nah, he's probably he, not interested, but here we, here we go. There's a scene in Peep Show where Mark's still trying to get with Sophie and he's trying to snitch on Jeff who he's with Sophie at the time because he's heard he's been up to no good at the pub. And he keeps saying, I really don't want to say this, but I, I heard, and then he's like, oh, curse these lips of mine. What have I said? I shouldn't have said that. And that's essentially what he does in this scene. He knows, he knows what Macaulay's like. Mm-hmm. He literally says to him just before, I mean, I know you're safe now. I know you've, uh, you've made it out, but I mean, I assume you don't want to know. I've heard through the grapevine. Just keep that to yourself. Yeah. 
That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. That being said, still think it's the right choice. I don't. The heat's round the corner. 30 seconds. Wayne grows a loose, Wayne, Wayne grows a loose end. He'll be out of the country. First, first heist, you don't leave loose ends. He will be out of the country. Does he want to be looking over his shoulder the rest of his life, though? He's not going to be. They already know he's. They already know he's done it. Difference it makes is a loose end. Wayne Grove ain't coming after him. He might be. He, Wayne Grove's not start, that guy. Let's talk the, about this, it, brother. As yeah, Wayne Grove says, thing, this whole thing should shouldn't even be possible. Why is Wayne Grove hanging around after ratting on that crew, chopping down women in hotels? Why is he still hanging around? Because it's Hannah. They let him. But he should be gone. He should be out of there. He should be the one getting across the border. He makes poor choices. He does. <laughs> they're making poor choices and they're being sat in your hotel in a gown. And then not not getting the message when the guy knocking on your door won't show his face. That's a good enough time to load he up. Gets get the, he gets the message. He's got a gun in his hand. There, there's having a gun in your hand and there's using the gun that's in your hand. As he if, goes to use it, big man Neil... Boom! Doors he gone. says, let's have a conversation about this. He stands this, so brother. close to the door that as soon as it's opened, he can grab him. You take two steps back, the door's open, bam. You can tell De Niro, look at me. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. And just gives him that work. I actually wrote down here that the last 45 of this film is, is really unique. Because it's not all car chases and gunfights. You do get the two kind of big ones in here with him going up to the hotel, getting out of the hotel, and um, the chase between him and Pacino. But in there, you've still got the going across town. You've got the scene with Ralph. You've got um, him finding the daughter. So although it isn't back to back to back, it still doesn't really leave you any breathing room like it does periodically in the first two hours. For every heist or action scene in the first two hours, you have the trip to the nightclub, or you have the party that he's going to with his wife, or you have the diner scene. You have just something where you're not worried for either of their safety at that point. You're not worried about what's going to happen to them in that moment. That last 45, even during those points, you're still on edge. You still don't feel like you can settle down and obviously you're right to feel that way the slick movement to get through the hotel by the way is blt there was something wrong with it oh god they're always doing that what's the number uh, of the room again i, I know is that uh, uh, when he was like oh yeah i know just like sound one of the most disgraceful performances of anyone in this film is the police officer that allows de niro to just keep backing up into the backing up into him after he knows he's just shot someone dead in the hotel room. Like, doesn't usually take them much to pull the trigger. No. And he's giving him space like that. Yeah. You don't give an elite striker space. You hear that it's, if you watch any UFC event. He does uh, doesn't well with a, with a, with a torch roll. He does, but it, again, much yeah. like with Wayne Grove, he has no right to be getting out of that situation. People don't put enough respect on his name. They don't. Because he deals with Wayne Grove right at the start when he's when he's trying to put him in the boot, doesn't he? Yeah. He has the one. Sh- he has the body shot to the stomach, and then he kind of grabs him and kind of buckles his 
his mm. spine and makes him walk like he's doing the crab. He's, uh, yeah, he, he means business there. And then somehow makes it out of the hotel. <laughs> um, and then, as you say, you think, get in the car and you're sound. I think he can get away. I think Edie's asking questions the second he gets back in the car for a start. That's slowing him down. Um, I'm not sure he ever actually wants to get away. Do you think he's ready ready to give it all up? Big sleep. I don't think he's ready to give it all up, but I think he embraces this part of it. This, this, this part of it. He needs... Needs to chase. Needs to throw. I, I, I don't think he ever really wants to run away from the heat. I think, as you see in this film... Every time he has the chance to leave the heat behind, he doesn't. Some people can't walk away from the game. No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't do the job in the first place. Does it? Val Kilmer gets clipped, goes straight for him, picks him up, gets him to Jeremy Piven, um, and here should go straight for the runway. Doesn't do it. As you say, maybe he has the chance to get back in the car. Doesn't do it. Makes a lot of poor choices. He does, and at. at and maybe it's uh, what the he heart gets, wants. <clears throat> he gets punished for it. There you go. Plays the game and he loses. Shall we get on to this um, ending scene? Yeah. So he's obviously returned to Edie. It adheres to his code, abandons her in seconds. Um, I, lo- I, loved, I loved this chase. Hannah pursuing him on the tarmac because the fact that they are in the airfield, it's so loud everything around it they almost abandoned the kind of realism of this and whether you'd hear it over the top and they they mic up their footsteps in this because you can hear their feet scampering across the tarmac so vividly amongst everything that's going on that it really adds to the chase like if they were dashing across grass the whole time you lose a significant part of this and then also as much as they're micing up their footsteps they're micing up their breath and yeah, you, you hear, can hear it like it comes over the scene. The breath almost like comes down the screen. Does yeah, that make sense? Are, yeah, they aren't young guys <clears> either. So like this is how it should be. And mm. they do that in um, Point Break as well, don't they? There's that massive long chase scene. Yeah. And then they mic up the, the breath kind of more as they go through that. So with this, it isn't anything like the one in Point Break where he's running at full clip for <laughs> almost about 10 minutes. Yeah. This is how two reasonably fit mid-30s, 40s-year-olds should be if they were chasing each other down. Yeah. And then they get to the point where they both kind of mutually agree. We don't Let's have much it. more running in us. <laughs> Got to get it on. Let's Make do it. Make a move. Best. Let's get it on. The uh, the shadow is a nice touch. The light comes yeah. up, plane goes over, yeah. just catches a bit of that shadow and turns on him. Even just the sounds of... Um, the aeroplanes, like it's, it's borderline offensive to your ears with how loud it is and overpowering, as it should Doesn't be. It's, six or seven times in the film. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, as it should be, if, if you were in that space, that's how loud yeah. it, it yeah. would be. Um, Pacino did one of those kind of evenings with uh, events you get, and it, this was in Argentina, and mm. he was asked about how they rehearsed that last scene. And um, he said, all De Niro said to him was... Um, no words. Whether anything was scripted, whether they wanted to improvise, that was all De Niro said to him. The last six minutes of this film, don't speak. And that's what they did. And uh, 
he said he's, he's, he still thinks that was the right call. Yeah, puts his hand up, mark of respect. Well, so the original ending that was discussed was going to be they were both going to shoot and kill each other and they were going to die together. Yeah, I, I, you do, it's funny, you can see that, can't you? I wouldn't have liked it. Um, I prefer it this way, but you do, you would, you would, you do sort of get it because that's the way it builds. Michael Mann just saves that ending and uses it in another Pacino film seven years later, Insomnia. Um, hmm. With him and uh, Robin Williams, who shoot each other in, in the final fight. Oh, it's it's very good. This and the main question I have because I don't know how I feel about it. Should there be something after De Niro dies? Should that no. be the last shot of the film? Yeah, that's how it should end. I still can't make my mind up on. I agree on the point that. I don't know what you could put after it that's going to feel as final. But at the same time, you could also have something that's going to hammer home, like even if it's other police running over, he's dead and Pacino looking sombre and walking away. I'm not expecting several more scenes, just I didn't know if there was anything more they could have done, but I guess you've got to trust Michael Mann on this one. No, I think it's the, I think it's the right way to end the film. Some people criticise the fact that Pacino kind of holds his hand as he's dying. Yeah, he's got a mark of respect for him all the way. He refers to him as being good four times. That one of my favourite quotes. So long, motherfucker. You, you're a good one. I, I like De Niro. That one last act of defiance. Like, told you I wasn't going back. Yeah. Like he's still. He knows still he's come to an end, and he's still got to say, like, told you, I told you mm. so. So. I think I think we wrap. Think we we're, we're almost wrapped on heat. I've got a bit more trivia for you. Oh, okay. That didn't really fit into what we've said. So this is one of Christopher Nolan's favorite films, and he says this film actually inspired his vision of Gotham City and the Dark Knight trilogy. Nice. Um, several other combinations were considered for the lead roles of um, Hannah and uh, Macaulay. Uh, one of those being Mel Gibson and Harrison Ford. Nope. Another being Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges. Nope. Um, I think that was when a different uh, director was attached. Um, and something that I don't know if you uh, know about, I'm sure you do. Um, a Heat prequel slash sequel book is uh, being written by Michael Mann and um, will be out next summer. It follows a variety of characters from the film, including the ones played by Pacino, De Niro and Val Kilmer. Um, so that should be out next summer. I will be purchasing. Yeah, he, Michael, Michael Mann said that um, he still envisages there being some kind of, whether it's called Heat 2 or whether it's kind of like The Fugitive, where it's like, this is a sequel, but not directly a sequel. Um, he says when the original screenplay was written, it was written between 1988 and 1998, and that's where everything took place. Yeah. So, there's still a significant amount uncovered as to as to what he had. Hmm. So I guess you have to wait and see as to uh, whether that happens or not. But um, he sounds pretty convinced that that's what um, is going to be taking place. Uh, I, I'd watch it. Yeah. Oh, I guess you'd read it as well. I will read the book, like, definitively. But There we go. Um, shall we get on to other film before we uh, judge? Uh, three quick questions. Yep. 
Danero v De Niro or Pacino in this film? Uh, De Niro. So I take Pacino on the whole. I consider I mean, myself to be more of a Pacino guy than a De Niro guy. But see, I, I consider myself, myself to be more of a De Niro guy than a Pacino guy. But I felt myself rooting for De Niro more than I found myself rooting for Pacino. Char- Charlene, do you take her back? Um, yeah. on him, flogs him, but at the end she does does do bits for him. I think essentially he does realise that largely every issue there is oh, it's his, his fault. fault. He's a dick. Yeah, one hundred percent. Have you ever wanted a bad guy to win as much as this? Um, I'd have to think about that question, and I, I don't okay. know if I can answer that straight up now. That's fine. We can we can revisit we can week. revisit it on next week's pod. But I know there's a quote from Michael Mann and he says the idea of the previous two hours and 45 minutes is to leave you looking for a way in that both guys can come out of this as winners. Mm -hmm. You should should reach that final scene cheering for both guys to win. Yeah. This isn't a question, it's more of a statement and I've never actually really thought about it until last, last night. But the underlying current of this film is strangely, is strangely, is strangely a love film. Everything that between happens. Between and Pacino? No, but between Joe, everything that's done is dictated by an element of love. Do you know, Chris changes plans for Charlene, could get, like, almost gets caught for her. Yeah. Pacino, for all his faults, is still trying, is, loves Natalie Portman, his stepdaughter. Joe, he's not in, the wife, he says, I'm not, you're he's, not. Is her dad the biggest villain of the film? <laughs> what a piece of work he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. Fair. Um, De Niro changes plans three times. He almost kills it, gets himself killed, and then does eventually get himself killed over, you want to call it respect or love for his mates. Picks, picks Kilmer up, almost dies. Changes his plans because your man murdered Trail. Breaks his own rules on the basis of her. So it is a surprising undercurrent in the film. I don't know. I suppose a lot of it just supposed to lend to De Niro's or Neil McCauley's moral code, but it is a surprising element and surprisingly strong undercurrent in the film. If we get on to our second film of the day, we won't be spending that long on that. I think this could be a Goodfellas Killerwood situation. Um, <clears throat> so, Baby Driver, the synopsis after being coerced into working for a crime boss. A young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. Had you seen this before? Yeah. Okay. A couple of times. That's what I was unsure. Um, what do you think the critics think of it? Uh, they liked it because it was nominated for about four different Oscars. Okay. Um, between the character dynamics, the vehicular stunt work, and the carefully chosen soundtrack, Baby Driver clicks on all cylinders, at least until it hits its home stretch. Hmm. Edgar Wright is cementing himself as one of our most pleasing directors of the past decade and has created a baby that we can all love. So comes to cliche near the end, but for most of his running time is an exhilarating ride, fueled by a tank full of adrenaline. While I appreciate the meticulous care and deft editing that went into crafting the film, I still find Baby Driver completely insufferable. That may have been Harper's review, by the way. He hates this film more than he hates Never Back Down, he told me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and finally, it's hilarious, of course, but it's also legitimately incredible filmmaking, and it does things that I've simply never seen in a movie before. 
The Mike Myers masks actually were supposed to be the masks of Michael Myers from the Halloween series, but the producers were unable to obtain legal permission. So um, Edgar Wright actually reached out to Mike Myers himself about using the masks of his likeness instead. Um, Mike Myers thought the scene was funny, gave it his blessing. And that's also kind of originally how they got the Michael Myers masks in um, the original Halloween. Yeah. And that they wanted a William Shatner mask, didn't get the permission, but went with it anyway. Mm. Um, the studio pressured Edgar Wright to cut the uh, foot chase scene because the movie was starting to go over budget. Um, so Wright actually deferred a portion of his directing fee to ensure the scene was completed. I like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, shows that they do have a clear vision and it's not all about the money, although I'm sure he still made a nice amount. Yeah, I imagine he did. Um, if like, It's hard to... It's hard to talk about Kevin Spacey with what's come out since. But yes. obviously not all of that was known at this point. Um, Jamie Foxx would often stay around and watch Kevin Spacey's scenes, um, even when he wasn't in the scene. He says it's nice to have the opportunity to watch great artists performing their work. <clears throat> he also called Kevin Spacey an inspiration, which I'm not sure if he stands by that or not. Probably not. Um, the song Easy by the Commodores was requested for the movie by Ansel Elgort after Edgar Wright asked him if there were any songs that he knew by heart. <laughs> Fair enough. That, you see. Um, according to Edgar Wright, each script sent to the main actors that, um, that were wanted for their respective roles included an iPod that contained a list of songs that would be played in specific order while reading a particular scene for the movie to emphasise the tone. Mm. I wonder what type of iPod. I hope it was a like an iPod, classic like iPod Mini or something. You'd have thought so. I do partly quite miss the iPod and your phone being separate. I just quite liked flicking through the iPod. I thought it was I quite liked updating it and everything. Quite cool. Uh, I much I like the user. I like the convenience. Yeah, I suppose wouldn't have had Spotify on that. Um. Most, if not all, of the gunshots in the film are in time with the beat of the music. Oh, nice. That this mean, was horrible it. for me because I saw that trivia before I watched the film again. And so every and you... time there was a gunshot, I was subconsciously trying to work out if it was in, time, if it was in tune or not. For <laughs> um, how like, pernickety these studios can be, uh, the studio actually requested the scene in which Baby mispronounces the band T-Rex as Trex to be cut from the film because it made the character sound dumb, but Edgar Wright refused. It does make the character sound dumb. Enough to be cut from the film? No. Um, Edgar Wright doesn't generally allow improvisation on his sets, but he did make a few exceptions this time, namely for Jamie Foxx. Say that again. Edgar Wright doesn't usually allow improv on his sets, but allowed it in the case of Jamie Foxx. Mm. Yes, if you've got some of these guys, you've got to let them cook. So yeah, point yeah. getting them on board otherwise. No, absolutely. Um, John Hamm's role was written and always intended for him. He's the only yeah. actor from the first table read to end up in the final film. Yeah, they wanted him like a Steve McQueen-esque type guy. I, I do. I like John Hamm. He, I do. I see him. I mean, 
I don't know if he's the kind of guy that I'll see in a film uh, on like a poster and be like, all right, I've got to see that. John Hamm's in it. But solid seven out of ten every time. Yeah, I'll give a nod like, John Hamm, that's kind of a bit of a a, a stamp of approval. Mm, Yeah, correct. Emma Stone was originally sought to play Deborah, but dropped out to make La La Land a decision, which obviously was probably the right one, considering the awards she won for that. Yeah, fair. Definitely um, be good. She'd definitely be good in this film. Yeah, I, it looks like the second I read that and I saw the character, I was like, okay, this is definitely like your wheelhouse. This is like an Emma Stone role. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, in keeping with the musical theme of the film, singers and musicians make appearances throughout. Um, you've got a big boy killer Mike appearance, um, flea of the red hot chili peppers and Academy Award-winning songwriter Paul Williams uh, all appear in small roles, and obviously you've got Jamie Foxx in a major role. Mm. And nice. then John Berntal, despite only having five minutes of screen time, actually received top billing on this film. My guy. He is, he is great, though. I don't think I've ever seen him be bad in anything. No, he is fantastic. So that's your trivia... Um, for this film, what did you think of it? I like it. I think it's fun. How would you react if you saw someone walking down the street like he does listening to his music? I mean, I've been known to do that. What, swinging around lampposts, playing the trumpet outside of the window? Not quite, play, not quite playing the trumpet, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, a little dance. Singing to myself is a habit that I need to break. When I'm walking. I think if you saw someone going in like he is, you, you, you might be asking a few questions. Maybe. Do you think someone can make a good remix out of any of your daily conversations? Yeah. Maybe the voice note you sent me earlier. Uh, I mean, I just meant in general. <laughs> Some of the show I say is quite funny. Weird habit he's got there. Hmm. Bit voyeuristic, isn't it? Yeah. I think... Everyone in this is um, very, very well cast. They all, they all do their jobs well. The main yeah. thing is I watched Heat first and then this. Everyone in this film actually has less worry about oncoming bullets than they do in Heat, which is quite something. Yeah. Very Especially um, Darling and uh, John Hamm in this. Yeah. I mean, she just stands fully just... Dark hair in the world as everything's uh, flying towards her. <laughs> did you know John Boyega auditioned for the lead role in this film? I did not. Yeah, he auditioned several times, um, so clearly quite keen, but ended up going to uh, Ansel Elgort, who his final audition take was him lip syncing uh, that uh, Commodore's uh, Easy song. You say that as though you don't know what that is. I do. I just said you, that Commodore's easy song. Yeah, as though you didn't recognise what it was. How else do you want me to say it? Easy by the Commodores. I'm, I'm reading it off Wikipedia. This wasn't in my trivia. Just in, like, everyone knows what that song is. So, um, the ending does somewhat sour. This, yeah, it's not great. But he uh, wants to make a sequel, doesn't he? I didn't know that. I, the, my issue was basically that Everything before it is so original, even mm. in scenes that are kind of like a new take on things. 
And then it was like, how do we end it? Okay, let's hit every cliche that we possibly can. Mm. Yeah, the the end. Yeah, I, I'm not a great I'm not a great fan of it. It goes downhill. In yeah, the last so is it a bit for me? Twenty twenty five, maybe no. Maybe no, not that long. Probably a bit harsh. Probably last ten. I'd yeah. Say. Uh, I'd say a little I'd, bit I'd, longer. I was going to say I fifteen, but then like Kevin Spacey suddenly becoming a good guy who's willing who's yeah. willing to lay down his life. Yeah, the baby is just strange. It's just a turnabout, and it doesn't really make sense. Oh, no, like uh, hours before, he's threatening to break his legs. Yeah, and kill his dad. His do death, a job it, for it. Do you know what I mean? His death foster father. What's, yeah. that, what's that man done? The job goes downhill, and it's and he's not to the point where he's not even going to give him the tape with his mum singing. Yeah, and then just ultimately says, "You know what? Uh, I've seen your girlfriend now." I'll risk it all for you. Just yeah. very weird. What do you say to those that categorise this as a musical? <laughs> it would be one, that's of my, a one of conversation. Be one of the musicals I like more. Also, supposedly gets twenty-five years mm. in prison for this. Drops down to five years because there's testimony such as. He did steal my car, but he also did return my purse. Yeah, I'm not sure mitigating factors come into it when he's got three, like three or four bodies on him. Well, yeah, I mean, the same woman that's backing in saying he told me not to go in there also does see him drive and spear a pole through, yeah. <laughs> through Jamie Foxx's chest. Yep. He gets off lightly here. Yeah. He does, yeah, very much so. Would you watch a sequel? Yes, I would. Would you at the cinema or wait for it to hit Netflix? Slash... I think that's a I think that's a home watch. I'm not rushing. I'm not rushing out. People that dislike this really do dislike this. I don't really know what what's to dislike though. No, I'm gonna probably have to get half on, but I don't think you'd have had the same heat pod because it probably would have been bubbling over with uh, Baby Driver slander. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he really he really despises it. I don't know if it's like too much music if it's that it's a bit cheesy which as we've always said if you kind of lay out what type of film it is then no complaints with with you kind of staying true to that throughout um exactly yeah i, I don't know what to be i remember being at the cinema thinking this is like i've not really seen anything quite like this before i really liked it yeah i like i have no issue with it at all uh sorry i have some issues with it but i i, I think it's just nice and easy yeah. Um, Stoner Kids from Sex Drive or this? Sex Drive. Oops, sir. Randy um, and Andy, just, Legends. Yeah. <laughs> just reminded me of them when I uh, saw that scene last night. Mm. Okay. Who do you think is the real star of this film? Yes, him and it. You think he over Kevin Spacey and Jamie Foxx? I do, yeah. I think Jamie Foxx might steal the film. I was going to say, Jamie Foxx more than Spacey, but it would still be me for him for me. Kevin, Kevin Spacey's a weird one, even outside of everything that we could get into, where mm. I thought he was so iconic in House of Cards, which I'm still fuming we never got the last season of uh, with, with him in it. No, I, find, I, I see him just as Underwood now, rather than anyone else. And before that, it probably would have been his character in Seven. Mm. 
it's just hard. It's, there's a lot it's hard to look past, but I still see him as uh, Underwood when, uh, when I see him there. Sensational talent, just turns out not a great guy. No, and that's probably putting it nicely. Yeah. You know, they, um, Edgar Wright wanted to find a way to get Nick Frost a cameo in this film, <laughs> in their previous work together, so he's actually on um, Baby's TV during one of the scenes. Oh, nice. That's the way they went about doing it. Oh, nice. Do you want to get into the judging? Yeah. This could be quite close. Okay. Big one first. <laughs> Which did you prefer? Heat. I agree. Which do you think is more rewatchable? Heat. I disagree on that one. I knew you would. I text uh, TK about this and said um, not I, I, it sounds like critique but it's it's not if because I enjoyed the film but Heat is a three hour film that, that feels like a three hour film and it's meant for every minute for most of it yeah I, I agree um, uh, but the comparison to, to Goodfellas if we're going to do two would be Goodfellas Goodfellas is film that feels like an hour 30 Goodfellas is more rewatchable than Heat yeah but I'd be the terms of I don't think time flies while watching Heat would be my easiest mm. way of putting it. Fair enough. Um, best moment slash scene? Diner scene? Downtown shoot? A uh, downtown LA shootout? Yeah, I, I think um, the diner scene would, would, would be the pick. Um, the, I, I don't really not, think... not, your, not your boy Ralph meeting Albert? No, I, mean, no, I, think that's, I think that's top three. I don't really think... Um, for most scenes of Heat, if you told me that was your favourite, I, I I probably wouldn't need to ask you to justify it. Like, fair. I would I would think, yeah, fair for, for, for a lot of these. There's a lot where I think I'll probably appreciate a scene more each time I watch it, um, which seems to be the case this week. Yeah, fair. Um, best quote. Never have anything in your life you can't walk away from in 30 seconds when you feel the heat around the corner. Not, uh, she's got a great ass. That is well up there. <laughs> you got your head all the way up it. I'll sit down, Ralph. I think, um, get on, Ralph. Overcooked chicken. It's <laughs> sorry, still the chicken. Yeah, overcooked. <laughs> I got three bodies on the street. I got three dead bodies on Venice Boulevard, Justine. I'm sorry if the goddamn chicken yeah. got overcooked. Overcooked. Um, MVP. Vincent, no. It'll be Pacino, isn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah. It is, yeah. I'll give it to a man that got iced. Hmm, fair. That side character. Jamie Foxx. No, wait, hold on. You give me Kilmer? I, I would. I'd also give you a Ralph. Shut the fuck up. Uh, it's, it's, Val, it's Val Kilmer. It's Chris. Look, my man just wanted a little piece on the side. He, he didn't know he was, he, was, he was walking into hell. He got what he deserved. He doesn't get enough, actually. <laughs> Pacino lets him off lightly. He scares him a little bit, but he, he, he ain't there for the work. No. He should have he led with his any given Sunday speech. You're in hell right now, gentlemen. Um, oh, hang on a minute. I was on the uh, wrong... Uh, Slide. I just uh, 
checked. We got the slightly different ones for host film, haven't we? Uh, okay, uh, better host crew. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you still hear me? Mm-hmm. One of the head prisoners died. Um, who got away with more? Did either of them get away with anything in the end? I mean, I'd argue Baby gets away with more than Macaulay because he gets five years in prison and Neil takes away takes that big dirt nap. All right. He, uh, well, I'll argue with him. He uh, wins the section there. Best soundtrack? That's Baby Driver. Uh, originality? Heat. That's one of the main things you've got to go in for Baby Driver. Bigger impact? Best opening scene? Annoyingly, I've got to go Baby Driver because the first 10 minutes in Heat just do nothing <laughs> for me. Um, best ending? Heat. Yeah. Chemistry? Heat. A 9-3 win in the end for Heat. And the left-hand-sided matchups continue to dominate. So that goes through to, well, the first round. This is a uh, qualifier. And... Next week, The Departed versus Carlito's oh. Way. Oh, Papi. What that's, a week. Uh, that's, that's such a huge week. I've never seen Carlito's Way. No, you're in for a treat. Um, just don't be out in John, Legu- don't be out in John Legu's arm after you've watched it. <laughs> Not a fan of yours, is anyone? Yeah, Departed Carlito's Way and then The Untouchables versus Hostage. Rounders versus Molly's game, and then Christmas. Mm. So, thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. I've taken that from you there. I know uh, it's a habit taking over. I I handed back the Austin duties very quickly, to be honest. (laughs) So we got the intro done. Um, It turns out I'm not great when I have to think about things. I'm a I'm I'm best just to sit and chat shite. Even while uh, not technically. Command. I, I I planned as if I, I planned as if I was because I can't do it any other way. Um, but yeah, that does us for this week. Uh, the part of this Carlito's way next week. Very very big week to uh, be getting into. So uh, we will see you then. Bye.